Hey everybody, welcome to Save Your Sorry. The podcast where we tell you about the rise and fall of a celebrity. And do some trash talking along the way. I'm your host, Jose, and I'm here to tell you, you're in danger, girl. And I'm a smooth operator. And I'm also Katrina Rochelle. <laughs> hello. Wow. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to our Halloween extravaganza. Oh, eleganza extravaganza. I used to always be excited for RuPaul to say that. (laughs) Normally, we do talk about the rise and fall of a celebrity. Oh, no. This is our Halloween episode, so of course, we have to do a little bit spooky. We're going to do something different for the masses. Yes. All right, and surprise, they're fat asses. (laughs) And we'll be talking about some cursed movies. Ooh, cursed mo- I love a good move. Different than what we normally do, but lend an ear and join us around this campfire for a tale or two. Or it's actually four. We have four stories. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. With most of the movies we'll be talking about, they are paranormal movies, so it leads one to wonder, are they saying these stories as publicity? Chalk it up mm. as some talk for their movie. Is being on like this movie giving them a fright and they're just imagining things or could it be possible that they're experiencing something unexplained otherworldly yeah that maybe the content of these movies is causing some paranormal activity okay Papa Lagba. <laughs> yeah we covered him already yeah no. <laughs> so the first movie we'll be talking about is the conjuring movies all right, yeah, I got my own, you fucking Ed and Lorraine. I ain't as forgot. We, yeah, as we said in previous episodes, the Conjuring films are based on the real-life ghost hunters Ed and Lorraine Warren and their investigation into the paranormal. Vera Farminga, who portrays Lorraine in the movies, had a story to tell and a picture to go with it. Vera claims in what is like a behind the scenes video. It's not like an actual interview. She seems to be in a hotel room with Lorraine Warren and some other people. Oh my God. Vera says while researching and deciding to be in the movie, she opens up her laptop and there are claw marks on her laptop. Uh In later articles, it says like digital ones, like just on her screen. But in the in that one, she just said there was claw marks on her laptop. So I don't know if they were digital or not. But then on the last day of filming, some claw marks appeared on her thigh. And she has photos of the ones on her thigh. And it's like three scratches. Vera claimed her faith and not giving it that much attention was what stopped the spirit or demon or whatever it was from getting that much power. But you gotta have faith for <laughs> Because she says that's what it wanted, for her to fear it or be intimidated by it. She even mentions that she gets asked a lot about if there is any behind-the-scene haunts. And while she tells this story, she claims that her and Patrick Wilson, who also stars in the movie, had other experiences and they decided not to talk about it so as not to give whatever this is power. Okay, y'all getting that. Yeah, at home getting tortured and y'all don't want to release the details. <laughs> but I mean, I, but I don't know. I guess it's of, successful for you. 
that's kind of like a common belief that talking about whatever it is can make it more powerful. Yeah, but also staying. Why did y'all stay? <laughs> that's true. I can endure some claw marks. Yeah, just little scratches. Mm-hmm. Shanley Caswell, who played one of the daughters in the movies, claims that she and some other cast members started waking up at 3 a.m. with the feeling of being watched. A lot of time in the paranormal space, people claim that 3 a.m. is like this bad hour or the witching or devil hour. And the Warrens claim it could be the first step of possession. Well, I don't trust the fucking Warrens anymore. <laughs> Not they said. Ruins. Don't worry about it. You're just in the early steps of possession. <laughs> <laughs> Shanley claims that her and Haley McFarland, who played the other daughter in the movie, were creeped out enough at the end of their filming, they ended up sleeping in the same room as each other. I mean, that's just smart. That's what we do. If I'm dying, <laughs> you're dying too. That is smart. Like, I don't care how old you are. If I'm freaked out, like, <laughs> I'm to find a reason to be like, oh... You know, let, let's just watch movies in your rooms and mm-hmm. act like I fell asleep before I could leave. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I ain't got, I don't get no hints. Well, <laughs> I'm about to just turn in, uh, if you don't mind just scooching over. <laughs> yeah, there's no way if either my ass is not sleeping or I'm finding someone to sleep with. Hey, say that. <laughs> <laughs> Joey King, another actress, portrayed one of the five daughters in the movies. Oh, okay. Started getting bruises all over her body. Patrick Wilson says there was no reason for Joey King to be covered in bruises because she wasn't doing stunts or anything that was physical in the film. In the movie, it's even a plot point, like the mother in the movie does wake up with strange bruises, so it was even more scary that this was happening to one of the cast members. Mm Mm-hmm. Rob Cohen, the producer of the film, says the hair person for the film started to see things and felt like she was being tugged on while in bed at night. That is the most scary thing to me. Like, don't haunt me in my bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> any, anywhere else is kind of fair game if you're a ghost, but in the bed is like an off-limit zone. Like, you know, that's your safe space. Yeah, the, are the are the ghosts and the paranormals uh, going to be like, oh, God damn, he laid down. He laid no, down under the blankets. No, no zone. They said, fuck that bed zone. I, yeah, I, that one really bothers me. Because do you ever get that feeling? I did it all the time. Where I, if you're like sitting down or laying down, your eyes are closed, that you feel like you're spinning or falling or something. Well, yeah, but I, that's usually when I'm waking up out of a dream. Because that shit used to happen a lot when I was younger. Fucked me up. I'm like, bitch, I'm falling off a cliff. <laughs> I, that's I get. I know what you're talking about. Like the jolt. Like I, I get like when I close my eyes, I just feel like I'm moving a little. I, I don't know why. I don't think it's paranormal, but yeah, I've never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, medical condition. I'm just saying, go and get that checked out, bro. <laughs> but yeah, don't be tugging on me in my bed. That's just like the number one thing. Um, Rob also claims that the artifact room, they recreated items, where they recreated items, the items would just be moved around in there, and they did not have an explanation for it. Mm-hmm. 
Terry Hayes, one of the writers for the film, says while he was on set, his wife experienced strange water occurring in their home. At first, they blamed the dog, thinking it was peeing on the floor. But it was a lot of water and odorless. They claim it took three beach towels to dry up the water. It's water. Was it supposed to have a smell? Well, they blamed the dog. They're like, maybe it's the dog peeing on the floor. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Odorless as in, that's not piss. Okay. Yeah, it's not piss. Where's this water coming from? It's just random water on the floor. Okay, I get that. Okay. <laughs> and they claim it took three beach towels to dry it up. And it could not be explained where the water was coming from. And if you think, like, three beach towels are pretty big, like, so it has to be a decent-sized water spill. Uh, Carrie ended up reaching out to Lorraine, and she said it was a water poltergeist. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Now you're here. The more stories you're telling me, and I'm just I'm just heading into skeptical city. That's okay. That's literally my next line because I I said with so many reported haunts, it makes you think was well, this just good press? Yeah. Because there's so many stories on it. That's happy that this one movie, or was there something more sinister at play? And it makes me think about um, this was kind of. Um, when the hangover came out and you got who are those people? Bradley Cooper, Zach Galifianakis, Ed Helms, and whoever else. One of the questions they kept getting asked, because it's the hangover, they drink a lot, they get fucked up. The main question they kept getting asked is, What's your hangover cure? What's your hangover cure? I remember that for some dumbass reason. And they would say a couple different answers, but they would say this main answer. And so it makes me think like the studios and the other people were like, well, to drum up some like some pu pu publicity, and this is a conjuring film about you know the paranormal and the unknown to stuff, you know, be prepared for people to ask you about experiences you had or weird things that have happened, and you know, you drum up a little story. It don't have to be too real or too specific, it just could be something. Because why does everybody in the history have an unexplained haunt? And some of these just don't even sound right. Who knows? Like, if the, there's paranormal and unexplained and haunting, and then there's just, like, something weird happening in your house. I'm sorry. Some water appearing <laughs> in your house, is, and now it's a water poltergeist, but nothing else weird happened to you. You just had some water. Somebody spilled some water, and y'all lying. Y'all didn't, didn't clean it up. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I feel the same way. I feel like is it that there be is it that they're prepped for these questions like you know it's going to come up or is it that they're being asked these questions because it's a scary movie and they actually yeah. do have a story to tell. Yeah, y'all never exp I don't know. I can I can see some of these things happening. I just cannot see every single thing of this happening. I don't know. But then I, again, I'm I'm very not clued in slash you know tapped into this type of world it, it does make it a lot of more skeptical though when it's interviews leading up to the movie yeah uh, it's just like nothing ever happened until i was on this specific set at this specific time and i got these specific mics and nobody else could have gave them to me 
Okay, okay well, Vera, you was doing it really hard. I don't know. Somebody <gasps> scratched your thigh all up. Y'all nasty. Okay. Well, let's go to, to the next movie. About that. You getting freaky and getting clawed. Okay. <sighs> next up is the Poltergeist movies. Now, I believe these. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's see what you're talking about. The trilogy is said to be cursed. And the reason for the curse is believed to be that the 1982 movie used real skeletons instead of plastic or rubber ones. Oh, I can believe that. The reason being that at the time, real skeletons were the cheaper option. Oh, that's crazy as fuck. Uh-huh. And I, I even tried to look it up. I looked on Snopes to see like if it's accurate or not. And it said that is that it's accurate. Like real skeletons were used. Sometimes some I mean, we don't have to be cheap about everything. Sometimes you <laughs> gotta read the room and know that this is just not the move. Yeah, real one of skeletons? the skeletons. One of the actresses said she did not know they were real at first. Oh no, you was acting and touching and rubbing all on that real person's body. Yeah, so that's the reasoning behind the curse, but let's see if we believe the curse. They're dried meat and skin. <laughs> no, no skin. <laughs> Who knows? Some deaths have been attributed to the cursed. curse. First was Dominique Dunn's who portrayed the daughter in the movie. Mm -hmm. the, the movie was released on June 1982, and sadly, a domestic abuse situation on October 30th, 1982, would result in Dominique's death. Yeah, I was pissed when you told me about that one. Dominique was rehearsing at her home with co-star David Packer. Dominique and David both starred in the TV show, V. Dominique's ex-boyfriend, John Thomas Sweeney, would show up at the house, and while at first Dominique and John argued with Dominique on the inside behind a locked door, he convinced her to come outside and talk on the porch. From here, David claims he heard arguing, a scream, a smack, and a thud. David tried to call police, but he was told he had the wrong jurisdiction. Which makes no fucking sense. Well, I looked it up because it did not make sense to me either. And apparently while 911 was established by the mid-80s, it was used by only half the country. So I guess David did not have the right local number. Oh. But it still seems so odd to me that it he wasn't transferred or given the number. Like, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt, like you're saying, this is the early days of it. But yeah, there's no other way you like. I, it's not one one. But Dispatch. he didn't call nine one one. Yeah, he, it wasn't nine one one that he called. Oh, he actually called a local number of a police yes. station. But still, yeah, I feel like they should have had their transfer game. Like, yeah, what, if it's so. If it's so new, why would you not think some people are not going to have the right jurisdiction so you would have it at the ready to give them a number or to transfer them? It really wasn't even that new. I think it was established like 20 years before. It just wasn't a they thing. Like, yeah, that they well, they assisted in that fucked up uh that fucked up it and it's happening. Yeah. Happening because how do you not have a um a way to help the public get in contact with the police. It, it's definitely something that we don't really think about nowadays. 
because we have 911 at the ready. That is true. David phones a friend and tells them if he is killed, it's from John Sweeney. David would leave the house through a back door, but would see John standing over Dominique. John would tell David to call the police, and when the police arrived, David held his hands up and said, I tried to kill my girlfriend and myself. Mm-hmm. I saw it both ways. Either I killed my girlfriend or I tried to kill my girlfriend. Dominique would be put on life support for a few days and then taken off and died on November 4th, 1982. John Sweeney would claim that it was an accident and he blocked out. He would also claim he ran into the home and took pills and attempt to kill himself. That was after he tried to revive her by doing CPR. But there is no proof that John tried to overdose. Exactly. Sounds like more like sympathy after you you fucked up and um, for no reason at all tried to kill your girlfriend and actually ended up succeeding. Ex-girlfriend. Oh, ex-girlfriend for no reason. Uh, you ended up succeeding or thought you were and had a weird-ass, dumb-ass backstory prepared in that short amount of time to somewhat, uh, I guess alleviate you of uh most of the wrongdoing and yeah it's some did did it kind of work i think right he didn't get a lot of time he or am did I not. mistaken oh shit okay i'm not which is fucked up i wish i was mistaken the autopsy determined dominique would have been, had to have been strangled for about three minutes which i mean you that, ain't snapping that long yeah you're not snapping that long at some point you realize that's intentional yeah John would be acquitted of second-degree murder, but found guilty of manslaughter and only sentenced to six years mm. and would only serve three years and seven months. Yeah, that's some crazy-ass shit. Yeah, testimony from an ex-girlfriend of John's was not allowed in the trial, even though that would have shown he had a history of abuse. Mm -hmm. I think this is a horrible situation, and to chalk it up to a movie curse might be disrespectful to Dominique and her family. Yes, in this case, I do not. I do not believe this. This curse has anything to do with that actress. I think that was just a terrible, horrible circumstance of her having a shitty person in her fucking life. Yeah, it also kind of makes an excuse for John Sweeney, like mm -hmm. the curse made him do, or the devil, or whoever made him do it. And he should have whole credible. He should have all the credit and all the uh, and take all the accountability for that for that crime, for that murder that he did. Yeah, I didn't include it in here, but when he got out, he got like this good job at a restaurant until Ugh. Dominique's father, Dominic, actually like did a protest and was like, he doesn't deserve this job. He's a murderer. And then he left. And then I think he got with a girl and they were like reached out to their father said, is this the same guy? And he's like, yes, it is. And then John Sweeney ended up changing his name, saying that Dominic was harassing him. And Dominic finally just said, you know, he had to stop following him, stop doing it just because he needed peace. Yeah, it's like it hurts and it feels terrible to see like your 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 child's killer you know, free and out and about to do what they want and live how they want. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, due to the law giving him the sentence that he got, now it only puts you in the crosshairs of, of getting in trouble. 
and you have to start to heal yourself because essentially, even though we feel like he might deserve some harassment and to serve more time, um, all it's doing is just delaying the, the father's grief and healing and, if he's already out and free, the last thing is uh, he needs to be is on your mind. Erase that I, motherfucker. I get the father trying to get justice, but it, it the justice system did fail him. A hundred percent failed him and his daughter. And 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 the worst thing is that is it, it, it's it's like he's acknowledged for for killing her. But not in the way that he actually tried to, because ma- manslaughter, like he he, it happened unintentionally. It was uh, due to her death was as a result of something else. Like no, he set out to kill her. He could have stopped in, but he 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 tried to kill her, and he doesn't get a sentence that reflects it. Yeah, um, Dominique's death is not the only one attributed to the movie. We also have. Julian Beck, who was diagnosed with stomach cancer, but he was diagnosed before he accepted the role in Poltergeist 2. So, that doesn't really count. Yeah, he would die on September 1985, a few months before the second film was released, but again, he already had the, the cancer. Will Sampson, a Native American actor, said to have performed an exorcism on the set of the second film because the energy surrounding about the real skeletons from the first film. And Will would die June 1987 due to kidney failure. And I I don't know. Can we chalk up every death? You know, they're going to die eventually. Mm, death and taxes. Yeah. That Only was like two things that are two years later. Heather O'Rourke, who played the young daughter, died at age 12 months before the release of Poltergeist 3, and she died of septic shock and cardiac arrest caused by misdiagnosed intestinal issues. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, it's very sad. This, I think that one's the only one that kind of makes me think of a curse, just because how young she was. Yeah. Um, Richard Lawson, in 1982, who would later go on to marry Beyonce's mom, I was just about to ask. <laughs> I heard Richard Lawson and my fucking my beehive alert went a black Richard Lawson because it, it could be either or white or black. I was just making sure. Okay, Beyonce's stepfather. He starred in the Poltergeist and he was on a flight that he did not have a good feeling going on. He said he flies all the time, but something about this plane ride just had him feeling uneasy. Before takeoff, an attendant recognized him and moved him to first class, which might have saved his life. Out of 51 people on this flight, 27 were killed when it crashed. Ooh, Jesus. And he said someone who was sitting like where he was supposed to be sitting did end up dying. So if he didn't move, it's possible he could have died. Um, People say this was part of the poltergeist curse, but I don't know. Like... I guess you could look at it either way. Bad luck, good luck. Maybe this poltergeist curse is just that there is no real, like, they're not making this happen, but they just, unfortunately, this series just gathered uh, a group of unfortunate individuals that 
for some for some reason these these people this 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 poor paranormal uh entity just knew that all these individuals would face very hard difficult life slash experiences and they just happened to all gather slash join this one sh this one series that's just the curse but the they <laughs> the set didn't do anything to them <laughs> it just opened up the gates of hell yeah it's i don't know it's just weird that is weird but like you said before it is kind of tough you want to say curse and stuff but it is kind of tough to also be like oh cancer that's a curse oh uh her death that's just the curse you know oh you almost died curse like yeah it, but it, it also frees some of these people and things and just like free of accountability or like rhyme or reason. Everything um, can't be explained by a curse. There is one more. In 2009, Lou Perryman, who had a small role in the first film, was found murdered after being attacked by an axe. Goddamn. Seth Christopher Tatum would come forward saying he murdered him for his car and had no direct connection with him. What? April 1st, 2009, Tatum attacked his mother's boyfriend with garden shears and an iron poker. He ran off on foot and saw Lou and tried to befriend him to get his car. When Lou went inside, Tatum would soon follow and found Lou at his desk on the computer and attacked him 10 times with an axe, mostly on the head. Oh my God. Tatum would get 40 years before he is eligible for parole for the murder of Lou Perryman and the attack on his mother's boyfriend. You better, I mean, I don't think you're getting parole. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it was a, just a random attack. Um, Tatum was on drugs before the murder and was off his medicine. And as unfortunate it was, I mean, this was 2009. Poltergeist came out in 1982. That's more than 20 years. Can we really blame that on a curse? Yeah, if that's a curse. That motherfucker hated him. I'm going to get you one way. Like, for a small part in Poltergeist, yeah. it's going to affect your town to the smallest level. Extras is getting hit now? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, so I guess that one doesn't really convince us a lot about a curse. Maybe the next one will. Mm -hmm. Another film that was set that was cursed, were said to be cursed, was 1976 movie The Omen. Robert Munder, who pitched the idea for The Omen, warned people that making this movie was kind of inviting the devil in. He said, quote, if you make this movie, you're going to have some problems. If the devil's greatest single weapon is to be invisible, and you're going to do something which is going to take away his invisibility to millions of people, he's not going to want that to happen. In 1975, lead actor Gregory Peck was on a plane, and it was struck by lightning. I looked it up, and on average, lightning strikes planes two times a year, and they are built to survive this. So while odd, it's not unheard of. Hmm... Mace Newfield, Newfield, Mace Newfield, a producer, would be on a plane a few weeks later, and his plane was also struck by lightning. So now it's becoming odd that two planes on the set, on the way to the set, get struck by lightning. Yeah, and this is such a very, very, very rare occurrence. Yeah. 
David Seltzer would also be on his way to set. And do you know what happened? Um, no, don't say no fucking lightning. His Three plane times. was also struck by lightning. Bitch. This might be a curse. Yeah. <laughs> this one, might, this be one might be a fucking curse. I'm just saying. This is weird. This is some weird shit. So now above average and happening to people all in the same film. It's unexplainable. While filming in Rome, Harvey Bernard, another producer, was almost struck by lightning. The fucking devil said, I'm going to get one of you bitches. <laughs> he, yeah, he's like, don't be making this film. Oh, my gosh. A private plane that was supposed to be for Gregory Peck was rented out. And Gregory no longer needed it, so they rented it out to some other people. After taking off, the plane hit a flock of birds and crashed into a station wagon. Oh, no. Not the flock of birds. Yeah, I that... mean, crash too, but the flock of birds. And I don't know if this next part, how true, because I feel with some of this, that gets, like, added on. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, I saw somewhere that people in the station wagon, wagon just happened to be the wife and kids of the pilot. Whoa. If, if that's true, that's like... Okay, it, that's not good. <laughs> Too freaky deaky. Yeah, that's a lot. But again, like, it's been years since this movie has come out, so I don't know how much is being added, like, urban legend. And people could be just, like, adding to the story just to be like, oh, yeah, it gets even worse and this and that, too. Yeah. There is a scene in The Omen where baboons are used. The baboon handler, the day after filming, was killed by a tiger. Dogs are used in the film, and it said the dogs acted aggressive towards their handlers and attacked the stuntman and wouldn't listen when the handlers told him, told the dogs to stop. Because the devil controls them now. <laughs> That's the general idea. <laughs> That's Beezlebub's man. <laughs> Alf joint the stuntman's next film. He was supposed to jump into an airbag but instead, instead fell awkwardly hitting the ground in the hospital. He said it felt like he was pushed. I believe it. Because some of these, it's not like, a, it's not like um, death sentences and like murders. These are like weird, real, real unexplained occurrences ha- happening to one group of people. That's why I think this one's more of a curse because it's one group of people. It's happening while they're filming or like yes like it's not taking years later it's not it's not spread out over decades yeah become lore it's like actually in this time period john richardson who worked on special effects and his assistant liz moore were in a car accident well in holland john had made a decapitation scene in the movie and while he would survive the accident, his assistant, Liz Moore, would be decapitated. <gasps> oh, you are fucking lying. And. Oh, that just sounds horrifying, just as it is. Even uh-huh. taking that away, that is terrible. The accident is said to have happened after John passed a sign that said 66.6, so like 666. Oh, Kilometers to the town of Omen. Omen was spelled O M M E N, 
but still omen omen okay that now you've pushed me a little too far <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's got to be verified for me for me to ever believe that but i tried to see if that one was verified or not that's the i could not get that of, one what type of marker have you ever seen 66.6 okay well i don't see kilometers either though so i don't know how they do it i ain't never seen no 66.6 <laughs> Maybe, maybe there's not a sign, but maybe that's what John thought he saw. Yeah, the devil showed him a flash. Uh-huh, since he sits to hell. Oh, my God, that is terrible. What I do hope is that he was knocked out during the crash, so maybe he didn't find out about that, you know, until afterwards, because I could only, I'm just still thinking about that car accident, like, being there with your co-worker who has died by decapitation. Oof. Beside them, yeah. Oh no, that's that, that's horrible. It's, yeah, you can't go to sleep to after see that. that. No, yeah, what the fuck is that, that? That would be an image, like burned into your brain. Lastly, Mace Newfield, the producer, says the Irish Republican Army (IRA) bombed a hotel he and his wife were staying at during the filming of The Omen, and later, when he would go to a dinner with the producers and Gregory Peck. The restaurant was bombed less than an hour before their arrival. Mm. The, the IRA were bombing things at the time, so it could be that, but it could be the curse as well. Well, yeah, it sounds like y'all just kept getting into the middle of a fucking political blow-up plan. <laughs> They're trying to do some shit. Stop going to restaurants and hotels trying to destroy. That's true, and I mean... But it could also be the curse because the omen took place in, like, you know, different sets. So maybe they just happened to be on this area when it was bombed. Well, you take an outside entity like that, if you're talking about the IRA, and this is something that they tend to do or they were doing, um, that does just doesn't hold as strong. But it is kind of fucked up that twice you got caught in that crossfire. Uh-huh. And I find this curse to be more believable than Poltergeist one. I think some of it's exaggerated, though, but I think there's some some truth there. Yeah, I will say that the Poltergeist one fucked me up because of the whole they. It's about like the these people moving on uh, Indian reservation and disrespecting and desecrating the land, and then the music like real skeleton so it's like oh shit y'all done opened up pandora's box but when you explain what happened to those stars it is like a whole bunch of unfortunate like a what a series of unfortunate events yeah <laughs> but yeah. then you go to the omen and it just seems so deeply connected with the type of movie that they're shooting uh -huh. that you're like yeah this shit just ain't right that this this ain't all coincidence this is connected to something fucked up agree and lastly a short story that is not about a horror movie but is still said to be cursed the movie a tuck or the incomparable a tuck i don't know <laughs> if it's pronounced a tuck it's a-t-u-k a-t-u-k it's based on the book about an Inuit man from Baffin Island goes to Toronto. The movie was billed as a fish out of water, Eskimo goes to New York City kind of story. You know, just the right amount of 
casual racism that was great for the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so, John Belushi was given the script in 1982, and a few months later would die on March 5th, 1982, of a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. With John Belushi no longer attached the movie to the movie, it went back out into the market. And in 1986, Sam Kinison became attached as the lead. You said Sam Kinison? E- Kinison. Kinison. That's a comedian. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. This is all comedians. And he died, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 1988, production began, but then stopped. Sam was given creative control and started rewriting it. The studio would get involved, and production stopped, and negotiations were happening. 1992, production started up again. April 10th, 1992, Sam was in a car crash. After the crash, Sam didn't seem to have much injuries, just some facial injuries from hitting the windshield since he didn't have his seatbelt on. His wife was in the car with him and she suffered a mild concussion. Sam's brother and his best friend were driving behind Sam and they saw Sam get out of the car, sit on the curb and started saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die over and over again. Some sources say he was said, I don't want to go. So either I don't want to die or I don't want to go. Okay. He then seemed to be talking to someone, asking why and saying, okay, okay, as if in conversation. His autopsy showed he had a torn aorta, torn blood vessels in his abdominal cavity and a dislocation of his cervical spine. Jesus. And I think what's most bizarre is just the talking, the saying, I don't want to die and seem like he's talking to someone, but I guess I don't want to die. He could have been in pain. He could have just been out of it. I don't know. Next up to be eyed for the leading role was 43 year old John Candy in 1994. How did I know John Candy was about to come up? I thought he was going to come up after John Belushi. Nope. Fuck. John Candy would suffer a heart attack and die March 4th, 1994. His friend, Michael O'Donoghue, was given the script by John Candy and was considered joining the cast. And he died of cerebral hemorrhage in November of 1994. Well, y'all fucking put this script to a fucking fire pit, bruh. It's not meant to be made. Yeah, every time it's like being passed on, like it's about to be made, someone seems to be attached to it. Every time it gets passed on, somebody passes on. And it's like, even if it's not the main guy, like just like Michael O'Donoghue was not going to be the main guy, but he read the script after John Candy. Mm-hmm. You he touch it, you die. Too. Yeah. So that was 1994. It would come up again in 1997. Chris Farley was in talks to be the lead. Oh, God. Are you serious? Yep. And he would die from an overdose just like John Belushi. And Chris Farley even knew that John Belushi was, like, attached to it. And that was, like, one of his idols. So that's Mm -hmm. why he had interest in it. Yeah. And they both came from SNL. Yeah. Chris Farley had given the script to his friend Phil Hartman. Phil was (sighs) murdered by his wife on May 27, 1988. That pissed me off. That bitch. Phil and his wife Bryn would argue that night, and around 3 a.m., Bryn she shot take a him. Goddamn shotgun. It was a shotgun? Was it a shotgun? I think it was. I don't know. I, it was something that was just 
so unbelievably cold-blooded either way. I just, it was. Just I don't so think it was a shotgun. Now that I'm thinking of it. Either way, she shot that man in cold blood for no fucking reason. She shot him three times. Once between the eyes, once in the chest, and once in the throat. Mm, mm, mm. Bryn would drive to her friend's house, Ron Douglas, and confess to the murder. Ron, not believing Bryn, drove to the house in a separate car. Bryn calls a second friend on the way back to the house and confesses to the murder again. Ron goes to the room and sees Phil Hartman's body and calls the police. At 6.20 a.m., police arrive, escorting Ron out of the house, as well as Bryn and Phil's two children, who were ages six and nine, out of the house. Because, yeah, she's too busy driving and confessing murders to care about the children still being in the house with their dead father. Yeah, I I tried to see if they woke up or anything, but I could not see if anything like that. Um, Bryn, having locked herself in a room, turns a gun on herself and ends her own life. This situation, besides the curse of Attic, Atuk, is also... John Lovitz, who was Phil's friend, blamed Andy Dick for the situation. Um, he has taken that back, but Andy Dick did provide Bryn with cocaine, and she was sober before that. So a lot of people say that cocaine like, had a factor in that. Sure. Yeah, it, yeah. it gets messy because I think Bryn's brother blames Zoloft. Yeah, I was gonna say, it, it, yeah, it couldn't just be cocaine. No offense, I've been around people on cocaine. I mean, I didn't die. I was worried about them, but they didn't kill me. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess they had issues. This, these people had issues, too. Um, but it, yeah. it is weird. I don't like including um, Phil Hartman in there just because he was murdered. But the other ones, I do feel... That movie is cursed. <laughs> like, no one else has ever picked up that script again, and no one else has died. And I feel like when people were attached to it, they did die. Yeah. Also, I like what's so fucking great about this script that all these greats had their hands on it, but it just didn't get made. I like what was was it so out of this world? I I don't think so. Like, I think it's just supposed to be. Or if you think about it, it's an Inuit person, and all these white people are trying to portray him. And oh, I didn't go, even think about that. Yeah, they go to New York City, and it's supposed to be like a haha, like look at this guy out of his tribe doing New York things. Like it's just supposed like to be a, a funny racist movie. I know. Okay, and I had the movie. It was gonna. Th- it was gonna remind me of, but I lost it. Okay, I, I get that. that I, for some reason, I had forgot about the Inuit element that quick when we start talking about all these people fucking dying. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, goddamn little ancestors. I See, that's what I kind of thought, too. And then I thought, I don't know, maybe there's something in the script. I don't know. Maybe. It is weird. Yeah, it's just the whole, as soon as someone comes attached that same year they die, that's what it makes me think. It's the most believable out of all of these, just because it's not a horror movie, mm-hmm. and literally, it could not get made because everyone who is going to be the star died somehow, some way. Yeah, there's no more funny. 
uh, inappropriate white man to play this Inuit. <laughs> and I kind of want to read the script, but I don't want to die. Yeah, I, I was thinking I, the same thing, but I know, man. Give me the script. Uh, I was like, I want to find a script. I'll read it to you. <laughs> like a like a bedtime story. And <laughs> the movie has been shelved. I think it's highly unlikely or ever be made in today's no. day and age. Even though the same thing happened with Forrest Gump, but that Forrest Gump ain't cursed. <laughs> I thought you were talking about cursed. Okay. Oh no, no. I was just, I just meant like Forrest Gump was shelved for years and years and years. The screenplay. Yeah, you, you hear a bunch of movies that get shelved, or like they're coming in to get shelved. It's not happening. Something yeah. falls through. Some things are just never ever getting deshelved. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, this is one of them. But, yeah, like you said, a lot of the greats, even if you don't know, like Chris Farley, John Candy are pretty big names. Yes, and everybody talks about how big, well, he was already kind of big, but they talk about how big John Belushi would have been if he got to do some of the movies he was rumored to do or continue his film career that he had already started after, you know, SNL. Yeah. I can't say I really know John Belushi, but I know the name. I know Jim Belushi, and I try not to feed into that whole, oh my gosh, Jim Belushi is only famous because his his, his brother died. Oh. But I'm not a big fan of Jim Belushi's comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. Oh my goodness, is he... No, that's According not to Jim. Okay, that's yeah, that's him. He's one of those uh people where they were it, it was in the era of the uh average dude uh pretty wife shows. That's still happening. Oh, of course. That's the formula. I yeah. Love it. They should do an average woman. No. Yeah, it wouldn't work. Exactly, because you know, test audiences slash executives, they always want the wife to be, if not extremely pretty, to be uh, good looking. The, yeah. the, the wife can never be average. Now, sisters and friends, maybe, but they can never let the wife be ugly. Besides Roseanne. Yeah, but that was Roseanne's show. Uh -huh. She knew what she was going for. And I she respect knew. that until she started to get hateful. And no offense to Roseanne, I just meant like... Nah, you said what the fuck you said. You said she was hit with an ugly stick. <laughs> but I get sure. what you were saying. Yeah. Roseanne was a big girl on primetime TV, not like these these twigs sucking up to her husband, which... I, never mind, that's going to be my media. I think it's already been my media, but I'm going to redo it. But let me stop talking about it. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Um, that's our episode. We will be going back to our normal stuff next week. Yeah, next week. Yep, normal Savior Sorry, picking somebody, shitting all over them. We didn't dive away from our subject matter for the most part, because we still had sandals almost every episode. Yeah, we did. We had sandals. Yeah, these besides this one. These spooky motherfuckers is nasty. Yeah, they might be spooky, but they are nasty just like everyone else. Spooky and they're kooky. <laughs> <laughs> I just got around for some reason. <laughs> and they smell like dookie. Oh! <laughs> Shut up.
have another one. <laughs> Dookie. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but we do like to end every episode on a positive note with some form of media we want to recommend, talk about, discuss. Should you go first? Should I go first? Um, I'll go first because I did just put it all out there. Not, I didn't really put it out there, but I did say so. So I figured if you can do Misery twice, I can do this one twice if I have not already done it, which I am not 100% sure, but I could have. If I did, I think it was in the first 10 episodes. Either way, uh, ain't nobody listened to those like that, so I can still say it again. And my media is 2001. For some reason, I thought it was 2003, but it's 2001's Monsters, Inc. Oh. How do you say it like I don't, that? I, I don't know. <laughs> it got me off guard. Yeah, don't say that shit to me ever. Yeah, don't you do that to me. I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry. Disrespecting my goddamn childhood. Anyway, so let's get into it. I do. Yeah, I feel like I definitely do this media. Anyway, but I you saw have this, not. I haven't. No. That's great. I saw this in theaters. I saw it with my grandmother. I remember that for a fact. I remember seeing it with her. Also, we we also had the DVD at my house. We wore it out. I think I hands down can say that there are a lot lot of Disney movies that I love and that are close to my heart. But honestly, nothing present day. I don't care how cute and how connected to my childhood it could be no future uh disney movie could ever touch me the way monsters inc did there's this i don't even know there's just something so heartwarming slash sad slash endearing about monsters inc that it just imprinted on me as a child and i've just carried it since i think also what has to do with that also is uh when we were talking about rosie and i was going to mention john goodman and him being like the father and husband he was on the show, which was also a different archetype than other husbands on other sitcoms. And I've loved John Goodman for a long ass time. Like we used to watch Roseanne as a child when I was a child as well. So uh, I think also just having these people who I watched on TV, a Billy Crystal too, sometimes, and you have those familiar voices in your head and then you watch this uh, great movie and, um, these characters are great too so you even love it more uh and, and this one this one caught me off for, uh for a while for some reason even though she has the most recognizable voice in history it wasn't even until i was an adult that i realized that cecilia was jennifer tilly i was like <laughs> oh, bitch, what of course it was and um i mean the heart of the movie of course is sully and boo that bitch boo can't no other Disney child touch my heart like that. But she only says boo and kitty. And I was crying. I was a fucking mess. I was a fucking mess. Water news being bad. I knew it. That motherfucker was a spider. Ain't no spider ever been good. <sighs> anyway, I'm getting carried away. Out of all the Disney movies, I don't think it's like up there for me. Oh, I mean, but your your taste your taste is questionable. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't I just don't know. Did what you it watch is. the new one, The Monsters University? No, 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 no. 
I was pissed. We were, when did Monsters University come out? 2012. Okay, so we were in school. I remember when they announced it because it wasn't, it was Monsters Inc. sequel. That's what they were saying at first. uh, As a bitch who saw Boo's door shredded, and then years and years and years later, they're talking about a sequel. I'm like, oh, we about to see my bitch Boo again. Maybe she got a child. Who? What? What's happening in her life? What are they doing with the doors? Oh, I was okay. ready for that shit. And then it's released, and they talking about university. We going prequel? I've never, ever hated a prequel so much in my life that I just didn't even want to watch it. It didn't matter to me. We weren't exploring the storyline I cared about, so I kind of shut it down, which it could still be a good movie, but I will never see it. Never. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm done. I'm off my soapbox, um, except to say that the last... When they when he has to put Boo back in that door and tucks her into bed, and she gets out the bed and goes to the closet... And she thinks Sully gonna be there. Oh, bitch! It is just her closet for real this I think this is the most like excited you got for a media, and I really wish I could share this with you. You can't because you have no heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great, and also it's great because you can see both sides of how this problem could have been avoided you're like on mike's side like bitch sully you're doing a lot for this child you don't even know in our world child children are poisonous but then you like sully like you see this cute ass child these motherfuckers trying to kill a baby for no reason you gotta save her anyway i'm off i'm done uh monsters inc is the shit you can like other disney movies but i feel like if you can't respect monsters inc's storytelling and their villains and their heroes and the ending being just so simple and bringing it all together i don't i don't know i don't know if i could ever trust you in this life or the next and that goes for my co-host jose as well i have no problem i don't know i said ill i really don't it just no that's in my that's uh it that's a word i can never forget that's burned into my image it was now. a gut reaction and i don't know why i did it like just I, just I, I think because i thought you were gonna come with roseanne because that's where it sounded like you were coming with well i feel like i've talked about roseanne enough especially on the roseanne episode how much i liked it and what it meant to me but what i will say is just so i can get some sort of um clarity of where your head is it don't even have to be your favorite. N- name me a top five Disney movie, just so I can know where you're at. Encanto. Name me a top five Disney movie that didn't come out in the last 10 years. The last... Encanto is great, of course. Lilo and Stitch. That was Disney? I don't I know. That was DreamWorks. Hold on. Either me... way, that's not fair. You're choosing good ones. <laughs> <laughs> what? Encanto don't even count. That's too new. But I'll take Lilo and Stitch if if I find out it's Disney. Yeah, Lilo and Stitch is Disney. Okay, okay, you you got that one. I can respect that. All right, so um, I'm done with my media. Okay, thank you. Fucking Encanto, bitch. You have a problem with Encanto? It came out yesterday. 
It's a great movie. You're talking about something that came out 20 years ago. You're talking about, and of course, they had 20 years to get the recipe right. No. They finally designing people of color's hair and shit. I just think it's a good story, too. It is a great story, motherfucker. Abuela, that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we do have a write-in today. Oh, we do. We do. It's from Christina from A Spooky Tales and Historias Unknown. Ooh. She says, hi, send it in my media before I forget. I just finished Solito by Javier Zamora. I listened to the audiobook, which he reads himself. It's a beautiful roller coaster of a book. It tells the story of Javier migrating to the United States from El Salvador to join his parents. He has to make the journey by himself, Solito, at the age nine. It's beautifully written. Highly recommend. Just have tissues near you because it's also sad. <sighs> Thanks for what y'all do. Always look forward to new episodes. Stay a spooky, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Yes. I don't know if I'm going re- to oh. Can I finish? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to read it. Uh, sad books. They, they hit me harder than some sad movies. But... It'll go on that long-ass queue of books I do have to read. I actually bought it a few weeks ago. Um, It was... you already on it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I don't really plan to read it for a while, but it's, like, all my to-do, my to-read list. It was on at Target. They had, like, a little section of, like, Hispanic Heritage Month. Mm. Like, they just drew everything kind of Latino on there, like, you know, the movie Coco and Santo, like every, everything. <laughs> they just put a hodgepodge of Latino stuff together. And that book was on there 30% off. I'm like, this seems interesting. So I do want to read it. Okay. Uh, and are... I forgot what question I was about to ask. Oh, is he just like a writer? Yeah, like, I guess. He's just a writer writing about his, his experience from, uh, for, for immigrating, like, I, I just wanted to make sure, like, he was a writer. He didn't do anything. Like, he was an activist or an actor or athlete or something like that. Um, I don't know, but I haven't read the book. That is true. I am asking you questions that you yeah, probably would I, I, <laughs> These are books, that, these I, are questions that get answered in the book. <laughs> I literally saw it at the Target, and I said, this seems interesting, and I picked it up. Oh shit! Well, Christina, maybe I was lying. I'm I might have to check this fucking book out so I can get my questions answered. <laughs> and for you guys who don't know, Christina's from a spooky tale, so they do like scary stories, like mere fables, all that focused on Latin American stories, and mm-hmm. they do it really well. So go check them out over there. And Historias yes. Unknown is amazing because they did one recently about sterilizing women in california i believe it was and that Ooh. one just that one just pissed me off that sounds fucking terrible shit it, it was terrible especially they said something in there where they like drove it home where it shows like it was a problem in the past where they're sterilizing hispanic women but it was happening again recently it came out like an ice doctor was doing it yes. to women and it's like that was fucking terrible. It like, keeps repeating itself throughout history. And it, it was such a good episode that they did, but it like pissed me off so bad. I was just like shouting at the podcast. And then they did another one where it was syphilis studies. I forget where at, though. In Guatemala, they did 
a syphilis study and pretty much their syphilis study was to infect people with syphilis and just not get them treated. Oh, that is fucking terrible. It is fucking terrible. And it's like they kept expanding the study more and more that they were infecting more people, making it worse. And then they did nothing to like rectify the situation that it's messing up generations of families because it's dating passed down because it can be passed down through the mother to her children. Oh no. Yeah. So they those last two episodes they were really amazing. They were shit that you should know. Mm-hmm. But it's also shit that like oh, history pisses me off, like you know. It's the fact that the the history happened and sometimes there's little to no consequences. And that, unfortunately, like you said, uh, history tries or starts to repeat itself. But time for my media. So mine is, are you ready for it? Misery. No. Mine is the album Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Ew. Rude. (laughs) And it's her most recent album. It came out last week sometime Mm -hmm. and i wanted to do it as my media last week but i was like no i'm going to wait because it's too soon but i'm doing it this time and i believe it is her best album so far it is also my favorite album of the year and it truly is a no skip album i think that you can let it run through like a lot of times when albums come out, you know, I'll pick pick out my favorite songs and replay those a lot of times. But this one, it just starts playing and I just I just let it play through because I'm like, oh, I want to go back and listen to that one, but I also want to get to the next one. And I just keep listening to it over and over again. Um, mm. my, my favorite songs are Mastermind. You're on your own, kid, and anti-hero, but it changes. I can swap any of those out for almost any of the other ones. And I just think Taylor does a great job of making it relatable to people, slash making it about her own self. And it's just a great album. I feel like if you've never listened to a Taylor Swift album, this should be the one that you listen to. Hmm. But I do have a little discussion for you. Hmm. Taylor in the anti-hero music video. She has like, you know, the whole premise of that song is she's the problem. That's what she says. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. And in there, she has like, you know, a evil version of herself or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And Taylor gets on the scale. She looks down at the scale and it says fat. And, you know, the evil tin just gives her, like, this evil look. And it's just a little moment, but people are saying that was fatphobic for Taylor to do that. And so she has removed the word fat from the scale. So now you just see, like, the other version of her look at her. Okay. I just feel like it's a stupid point. The whole song is about Taylor and her issues, and she's talked about her issues with food and starving herself before. And 
you're trying to make this about something that it's not just because she looked down and said it said fat i get the context of which maybe taylor swift was talking about i think people like to be outraged for no reason especially if nobody has ill will i think if you really could tell and if you probably know her history that you would probably be able to tell that taylor swift had no ill will when she did that and she was simply Putting the element of storytelling. Did she need to put that? I don't know. I honestly don't even fucking care either way. I think people just want to make a big deal out of something that honestly isn't. Now, if it said fat and the bitch put on a fat suit and had a double chin when she looked at her other self, I, maybe you could say you're going too far. That's insensitive. But I think you could take it as this is an evil version of herself telling herself mean things, bad things about exactly. Like, I don't understand how nobody could put A and B together, but people are, people try to act um, oblivious. People try to miss the point. And I feel like, like I said before, they try to be fake outraged. Yeah, there's all this mock outrage out there. Like, people just want a reason to be mad at. There's, you can say anything on the internet nowadays. You can say just spent time with my best friend so glad to go to lunch and so i'd be like i'm glad you got to go to lunch some people don't eat today like you know like they can twist anything nowadays and mm -hmm. i i can't stand that shit at all i feel like we lose we lose sight of what we're really <laughs> trying to point out when we do that and i feel like people do it i don't know why they do it i think it's like I think there's a combination. <laughs> you said what? Like kind of narcissistic on their own part. Like Yes. I also think that people, there, there's a mix of people who are for some reason really genuinely thinking that way. And then there's other people who are simply trolling. But unfortunately, some people do take it as a real concern. Yeah. There's some trollers, but I don't, the ones I'm seeing, you can tell they're not trollers. Well, then that, they're even more stupid. And I'm not, a, I'm not a sensitive person. I have worked very hard to try to empathize with people and sand down my edges a little just so I can relate to people a little bit more. Because this motherfucker's edges was sharp. They still are. <laughs> but, and Kenny got claws, y'all. <laughs> But I'm not a sensitive person, so every time I see a situation like this, I try to think, maybe I'm not being sensitive enough. Maybe I'm over, like, not thinking enough about it. Mm -hmm. Just because it doesn't offend me does not mean it doesn't offend someone else. Yeah. So I've been trying to put myself in that shoes of seeing it how they see it. Like, okay, Taylor Swift is what most people would call skinny. She's a healthy weight. Um so maybe she should be saying that but still it's like the whole point People of video talking. oh sorry the whole point of the video is like you said uh this evil version of her saying she's fat like it's it, it just pisses me off that we're really trying to do this mock outrage that so much that she changed the video and i mean if she wanted to whatever but it's just so stupid to me <laughs> i don't know if people agree or not so i had to discuss it yeah 
And, and it's like she can't talk about her past experiences because she's a, a thin white woman. And I know how sometimes being a thin white woman is very offensive. But in this case, I think uh, give old T.S. the pass. That's, I saw a post that said that, like, it was not her place to say that as a thin white woman. And it's like, what? Yeah. Ugh, it, it just pissed me off. Oh, real quick. Uh, just just to mention it because I, I do want to mention it. Will I know for a fact Will and Grace has been my media before, but I do want to mention it just because uh, that was one of the main things I watched Leslie Jordan in, uh, besides like uh, Sorted Lives and any other thing that he was guest starring in or judging in. And uh, I was very upset when I found out that he died, especially oh, yeah. because it was, um, him in a car accident like because something happened to him during him driving i was very upset and i know a lot of people a lot of people our age or especially younger didn't learn about leslie jordan until the pandemic because he was doing those viral videos that were funny but he was just so funny period like he was a great actor great uh like role player, he played his role, and I was just upset about that. And I just wanted to mention that because I don't think I'm ever going to get another chance to like talk about Leslie Jordan like fresh on my mind. Yeah, some of his more recent ones were the American Horror Stories. He just started mm-hmm. those. Um, Call Me Cat. What's Call Me Cat? Um, what was that English show that you used to like, Miranda? Miranda, yeah. It's the American version of Miranda. Okay, I have to look that up. But okay. Yeah, he's he he he's on so many things and you 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 just know him when you see him. Yeah, I definitely and then now he you're just now you're only gonna see him in the stuff that he's done before and nothing in the future, and I was just very sad. Yeah. Um but that is our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been wonderful. Bye. See ya.